This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Well, welcome again to the Equip Podcast. My name is Mark Vance. I am here today with Jason Tuttle. Now, Jason is joining this podcast. One, he's an awesome guy. But two, in particular, Jason is one of the men who at Cornerstone Church, coming up for our 22-23 elder team, we're putting forward for nomination uh, to the body. And so part of what we've done in the past on the podcast is had some of the guys on the elder team on who can share some of their wisdom, some of their life experience, some of their perspective. And I thought it'd be really helpful, Jason, for people to hear more of your story get a little of your background. So thanks for giving us a little bit of time today to meet a potential elder and hopefully an elder soon to be here, Jason Tuttle. Okay, so I'm starting with the first question, which is, Jason, I want to hear a little bit about your background. So like, where are you from? What's your family like? Uh, how'd you come to faith? So let's yeah. start there. Sure. Yeah, so uh, I grew up in Southern Iowa. I call it God's country, you know, beautiful rolling hill, Southern Iowa. Um, uh, I was raised by uh, my mom and uh, my stepdad, um, and uh, you know, growing up, I actually had uh, kind of a, just a difficult uh, life. Uh, I had some parents had addiction issues, some mental health issues, so uh, church was not a part of our family. We uh, never, I uh, didn't attend a church service till I was in my mid twenties, and so uh, I went to Bible school a few times growing up, but that was about it. And so uh, uh, I was a, I chose to. To pursue my education, though, when I was young, and thankfully, uh, my stepdad encouraged me to do that. So, I did well in school and played sports, and thought I was a good enough kid because you know I didn't smoke or drink. And so, I kind of continued with that attitude into college, and uh, but then just pursued worldly things there. You know, uh, wasn't uh, wasn't a, a man of integrity, and so uh, I met uh, my wife Laura my senior year, and we started dating, and. Um, uh, shortly thereafter, I got a job in Lucas County as a deputy sheriff, and I worked there for about a year and a half. And then I uh, had a, a roommate from the law enforcement academy that told me there was a job open in Ames. So I applied to be a police officer uh, here in Ames in 2000 and was hired. And so Laura and I moved here, and a year later we were married. And we discovered uh, pretty quickly that uh, marriage was tough. We uh, were pretty selfish and uh, had this Hollywood view of what a marriage should be like, you know, the Jerry Maguire, I thought she was going to fulfill me and I was going to, she thought I was going to fulfill her. And again, we discovered pretty quickly that uh, we just have a lot of issues. And so uh, we, we started searching for churches. We, we knew there was something missing in our relationship. And we had a friend at the time that was attending Cornerstone and uh, she invited us out. And that first weekend, we actually uh, met a couple who was sitting in front of us and uh, their name was Mark and Letha Arendt, and uh, met them that weekend, and uh, we just bought a house up by the hospital, and uh, that following week, we're out in our yard, and they walked by, and we recognized them from Cornerstone, and uh, that just began a relationship with them where uh, Mark and Letha um, just brought us into their life and lived out uh, what a gospel-centered marriage should look like, and we really needed that at the time because Again, our first two years of marriage were, were very, very difficult. Um, I'll be honest, in the back of my mind, divorce was always an option, and um, it, was, it was very difficult for us. So uh, Mark and Alita uh, 
uh, just explain to us in you know real simple terms what the gospel was and what it should look like to be a, a godly husband and wife and how to raise children in a, in a gospel-centered home. And, um, and uh, both of us uh, uh, received uh, Christ about 2003. And wow. so uh, that began uh, this journey for us. And, and again, so Cornerstone has been the only church that uh, really we've ever been a part of. And uh, we're thankful for the opportunities we've had here. But um, Mark also brought me into a men's group about that time with Kevin Scheibe and Mike Despard. And uh, man, they just, they showed me what it looked like to open up the Bible and study it, you know, on a, on a daily basis. They encouraged me to, uh, to, uh, to look at scripture and memorize scripture and just show me what it was like to just to be a, a, a man who, who pursued Christ. And I had never had that before in my life. And so that was, uh, it was life changing for both of us in our marriage. And uh, about that same time, we also had a miscarriage. And that was pretty devastating to us. Wow. But I can remember wow. for the first time in my life, um, just feeling God's peace and hearing, you know, just God say that, hey, I've got this. It's going to be okay. And so um, thankfully, he blessed us with four kids after that who are, are all teenagers and healthy today. But uh, um, that was a that was a you know big part of our God story. And Mark and Letha came around us during that time as well and just ministered to us in a, in a difficult time. Wow. That's an awesome story, Jason. It's cool to see you and Laura. And I think part of sharing that, why it's so powerful is because, you know, you come into Cornerstone, you're sitting next to the guy next to you. You just assume, oh, yeah, this guy's been here forever. Everything's great there. That's not the story for a lot of people. And just the opportunity to move toward people in love and just see how God transformed you guys' life through that. It's incredible. And now you got four kiddos. So you're, do you have one graduating this year, Jason, or is it next year? This year, yeah. We have oh, uh, our oldest daughter, Emma, will be graduating. And so, yeah, we have, we have 18 down to 13 years old. So as you know, Mark, that's a crazy <laughs> stage of life. I feel like yep. we're like in this reverse, I don't know what you call it, reverse nesting right now. We're, we're getting ready for, uh, we're getting ready for graduation. So we're doing all this stuff at home to get it ready for people that are coming to stay with us. And uh, it's a crazy time, but it's uh It'll be fun to see what God has in store for Emma in her next next stage of life. Well, you got some great kids. I mean, Jackson, I'm not going to praise him too highly. I don't want it to go to his head, but <laughs> Owen loves Jackson. And, you know, there's just a great crew of kids coming up through the youth program at Cornerstone that just, yeah, really proud of them, proud of their families. And, yeah, you can just see, I mean, Jason, as you look at your story, the the trajectory change in you and Laura's life and how that's impacted everything you know, with your kids, with your family. It's incredible. No, absolutely. I, I, you know, I just constantly pray that, that um, we can be that uh, generation of change in our family line for years to come. And that, uh, you know, that, that just Christ would be the center of our kids' lives and, and their kids' lives. Um, uh, but we know that God's in control of those things. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it took us being brought to our knees with a miscarriage and having just some neighbors who just loved on us and cared for us during that difficult time. Wow. And you have been in Ames, so now on the police department since 2000. So um, you have a unique vantage point, and that's part of even when we're looking at the men we bring into the elder team, we're trying to look for a diverse set of experiences in life, different backdrops, different career professions, different perspectives. And your perspective as a member of law enforcement, you just have a front row seat 
to a ton of things that are happening in our community. And it's been tremendously helpful, honestly, in our elder room to have that perspective in there from you. And so I, I wanted to ask a few questions of you just from that. You've got this lens of law enforcement and aims. And so kind of explain maybe a little bit about the role that you have, but also take a look at the community. You've seen it now over two decades of movement, right? Like, what do you see happening in Ames and where is it you want people to, I don't know, maybe just be stepping forward to be a great neighbor, to be involved, to help the community move forward. So share a little bit of that, Jason. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, so I'm in a position at the department where I'm in the administration portion of the department. So um, I do have the opportunity to to see what happens every day, um, uh, but also I've had the opportunity to work, partner with other stakeholders in the community, especially with issues around addiction, uh, mental health, homelessness, um, you know, family violence and some of those things. We do have, unfortunately, a front row seat to those things that happen in our community. Um, and while we have a lot of supports for some of those things, um, we have just seen, I think COVID really, uh, really just showed that kind of the chink in our armor, right? Because of, uh, of the stress and so forth. So we're seeing a lot of issues with uh, mental health right now and addictions, especially coming out of COVID. Um, meth use in our community is, is, uh, is, is on the rise and, um, and even homelessness, you know, we see it downtown here a lot, even just being at city hall. And so, so I'm thankful for, especially Mark, where we've just been that faithful presence in our community through some of our, our city ministries here um, and working with home for a while, um, the Cornerstone Counseling Center, Celebrate Recovery. Um, we need faithful people to be stepping uh, into those arenas to just walk al- alongside some of those folks who are just in desperate need of a person to listen to them, to be there with them, to care for them, to pray for them. Sometimes it's maybe just to provide a meal for them. Um, you know, we, again, it's, uh, it, our job can be very difficult at times. It can be very, re- very rewarding, but, um, we, we just need faithful people to step in and, and fill the gap in some of those areas. I think about some stuff we've done with jail ministry at the church as well. Um, um, those people need a stable support system when they come out of jail and prison. So they're not going back to those, the same social groups and we're yeah, just absolutely. stuck in that constant cycle. Absolutely. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, too, in that you see the community, you see the needs, you also see the officers. Mm-hmm. And, I, man, Jason, I think of teachers and medical professionals, law enforcement individuals, and the stress that I've seen them just carry with mm-hmm. them. And so maybe speak to a little bit right now. How are your guys doing? How are your gals doing on the force? And what are ways that we can come alongside and care for them? Yeah, I think uh, coming out of COVID, it was very difficult. You know, we had five protests two summers ago um, where we were involved, directly involved with those protests. We, um, we tried to listen well during that time, listen to the concerns of the community. But it was also during COVID. You know, uh, I tell people we didn't get to stay home during COVID. We came to work every day, um, you know, our staff, we had COVID that went through the department. We, those people stayed home, but we were still out there filling the shifts every day and night, 24 seven. And so that was a stress on our families as well. But um, we worked through that, but that was a, it was a difficult time. You know, that was very stressful for, for our staff. It affected all of our mental health, uh, whether we, you know, whether we realize that or not. And so some things that we've done at the police department is we've developed like a, a peer support team inside the department of trained 
uh, peers that can just care for people, come alongside them and uh, check in how they're doing professionally with their family, their spiritual health, their mental health, their physical health. Um, we also have a chaplain uh, here for our department, um, Ward Leak. He's uh, Jen Peterson's dad. She attends Cornerstone. Ward's been a blessing yeah. to us. Ward's awesome. So we're trying to develop some programs like that to support our staff. Um, I tell people, I don't want a police officer to stop one of my kids who's grumpy, stressed out, and can't handle the pressures of the job because that interaction is not going to go well. So I, I, I'm very... Uh, have a lot of uh, have a lot of energy around um, just caring for our people, making sure that they they know it's okay to not be okay as well. Mark, I think you've set a great example for yeah. us at church and just being transparent with um, how we need to sometimes take a step back from where we're at and make sure that we're doing okay uh, emotionally and spiritually. Um, even Jeremy's uh, sermon this last weekend, where he was tra- transparent about his struggle with depression, I think it's so important as leaders as we uh, that we step up and and talk to people about how we're doing um, because oftentimes that can be the uh, a, a movement of change for people when they hear someone else uh, just being willing to talk yeah. about it. well i i don't always get the public forum to do this but i just wanted to say you know for me as a person but just even on behalf of our church just to say to you as a law enforcement officer and all the guys you work with that we see you and we appreciate you you know as a society We've chosen to appoint some people in law enforcement who go into places that none of us want to be and see things that none of us want to see and who protect us from those pains and who take those pains on themselves in service of others. And so um, thanks for all that you've done over the years, Jason. Keep doing a great job. And for your guys in a time where there can be all sorts of things floating around that they might hear about police this or police that, just know... uh, this community loves them and we're really thankful for them. Even when we get a speeding ticket, which I, I have totally deserved at times. I have to, you know, like we are thankful and we see what they're doing and we understand the sacrifice that you make to do it. And we respect you and love you and really appreciate you, Jason. So I wanted to make sure I had the chance to say that. Yeah, no, thanks Mark. And I think, you know, we have people drop off cookies here and other things, but sometimes just telling an officer going up to them, whether on their lunch break or in a car and just telling them thank you means a lot to us. Sometimes we hear the loud voices that are the minority in our community and we listen to those maybe too much at times. But yeah, just simply coming up and saying thank you means a lot. And actually this week is police week um, where we celebrate those officers who have um, made the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, So especially this week, if you see an officer out there, uh, tell them thank you for what they do. We, we very much appreciate the community support and that's why we choose to, to work here. That's awesome. Uh, in that's awesome. Well, Jason, it's been great having you kind of inside of the room of the elder team. And so this is a little insight even as our, we think about how we put men forward to lead in the church. One of the tools that we've used is, so every year we put forward a slate of men to, who have been nominated uh, to as council members for our church. Those men are the leading authority uh, for Cornerstone Church. It's our Council of Elders. Each year, in addition to the Council of Elders in that kind of central elder room, those those men who've been voted on, we put a couple people in there that we say they have a view and a voice, but not a vote. And so they get to see what's happening. They can bring their perspective and their voice to the room, but we're not putting them forward as a full elder. It gives guys a chance to see how eldership works 
it gives us a chance to incorporate more voices into the room. And so this past year, Dave Lubbers, who's been a connection group, just an awesome guy from Gilbert, uh, came in the room along with you. Both of you guys kind of, Lord willing, were moving out of view and voice and into that full voting council member this coming year. But that gave you kind of a year where we benefited from your perspective, Jason, as a godly man, as a dad, as a law enforcement officer. This What you could see helped to shape how we could move toward things. But you also got a chance to take a look at what's it like to be an elder and how do we work through problems, stuff like that. So I thought I'd ask just a question of what did you learn from that? What are some of the things you're taking from that that year in the elder room? Um, and what did you learn in that? Well, I think, number one, Mark, uh, I have a new appreciation for um, for just our staff and, and you and the other directors on your team, Mark. How, how hard you guys work to make sure that we're a gospel-fueled church uh, that we're outward facing, that we're that faithful presence. Um, I can't say enough how thankful I am for that as a member, father, husband, and cornerstone. Um, but also that leadership isn't always easy, right? When when we're trying to lead teams, we're trying to lead people, um, it, it, it can be difficult just with projects and, and dealing with other things. And so to come along some other men in a room like that who are who are men of humility, men of, of, of a lot of wisdom, it has been so good for me to just be a sponge in that room and to learn from them um, what it looks like to lead faithfully um, during difficult times. I, I learned not only you know how to lead people, but I, I've learned from some of them in the room how to be a better father and husband just from them talking about some of their struggles. And so uh, selfishly, I have appreciated that time. Um, but I think uh, people should know that the, the church is in really good hands from the men that just dedicated themselves to, to faithfully showing up every week and uh, praying for our church, caring for them, and walking alongside other people. Uh, Mark, I just think of the couple uh, difficult months we had where we had some uh, uh, very sudden deaths of members, young people in our our church, and how uh, we were able to pray for those families. You were able to walk next to them, and then we were able to also walk next to you during that time. And uh, man, that that was very impactful on me, and um, I'm I'm just thankful for the opportunity. Yeah, being... Being in the elder room is a real privilege. It's also a burden in some other ways. Not, I think of it's more privilege than burden, you know, but the burden is that we have this admonition in Scripture to carry one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. And part of what being an elder looks like is coming on alongside a whole congregation and looking at the most poignant burdens that they bear and walking with them in it. And And I think, Jason, too, one of the things that, I think people miss maybe in eldership in a church is that it's not just the decisions we make. Really, when the Bible talks about the way elders lead the church, it says you lead by setting an example for the flock. So in some ways, the most significant things that you do in your role or Kevin Scheibe does in his role, Brent Haverkamp does in his role, don't happen in the council of elders room. They happen in your living room. They happen when you walk with your wife. They happen when you're a dad with your kids because you're setting an example. You know, how you go about your work in the workplace. The primary call of eldership isn't a call to be a high-level decision maker, though we have to do some of that. The primary call is to be an exemplary Christ follower. Not a perfect one, but just the sort of man who you can say, I want you to come walk with me and try to follow Christ the way I'm following Christ. You know, like what Mark Arendt and Kevin, those guys did for you, that's kind of what we're doing. 
as elders. We're trying to be an example and, and our hearts move there. And so last question for you today is this, you've gotten a view and some perspective on Cornerstone and some perspective on our community. What are some of your prayers right now? As you think about our church, as you think about our community, what are you praying for, Jason? Yeah, I just, Mark, I think we continue to be that faithful presence in some of those areas I talked about earlier with um, whether it's substance abuse, um, addictions, mental health, that we continue to have our members and other volunteers to step into some of those arenas and just walk alongside those folks that are struggling. Um, it's easy to come to church and put on this face that everything's okay, but we all have things that we're dealing with. And, and sometimes we just need to be really good listeners, right? Um, and so, yeah, those are my, those are my prayers. And also for our youth ministry, I think that, uh, um, Sam and, and Sandra are doing a great job. Uh, but man, there are a lot of kids that are coming every week. And, um, just because I have kids that age, man, I just pray that we would continue. They would continue to bring friends and we'd have plenty of volunteers and staff members to just continue to share the gospel with them because, uh, they're going to be leading us someday and we want them to be faithful and we want them to, um, know what it's like to, um, to, to lead people in the right way and to follow Christ. Ah, oh, that's awesome. Well, Jason, I love you. I appreciate you dearly and uh, really appreciate the chance that we've had to get to know you, your family through the years, but also just the year we got to spend with that view and voice. And we'll be voting, Lord willing, here coming up June the 5th. We have our annual members event where we put forward the men who are nominated to be elders. And I'm excited to have you in the room and have benefited so much for your leadership. And so thanks for spending a little bit of time on the podcast today, uh, letting people get to hear a little more of your story and your heart. And thanks just for the life that you live as an example for our congregation to follow. Really appreciate you, Jason. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity, Mark.